good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the Sports and the World Podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius, and on this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about baseball, something that we, on the regular podcast I always say we need to talk about more of. And you know, this episode you're going to get your your helping full of it today. You know, we talked to the contributor for the Marlin Maniac, and he's also a podcaster himself with the brand spanking new Walking Off podcast. And he's also a baseball writer, very good one at that. And I'm talking to Fernando Castro. And how are you, my man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on here for sure. Thanks for having me. Likewise, you know, I had to give you that great introduction because, because like I say, we, we don't, like on, on the on the regular podcast, I always, there's, there's certain things I want to talk more about when, when there's football season, there's basketball season, and, and baseball season kind of hovers there. And I said, well, you know, let's talk some baseball. So, so before we get, uh, before we get started, um, tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I fall into that same trap with you as well. I mean, my podcasts were pretty much strictly baseball. I have a Brewers bot, a podcast, as well as I contribute for the Marlin Maniac. And I also have my own uh, a blog that I have on Substack that I have a, a newsletter that I sent out. And it's predominantly all Brewers talk. Um, but I find myself wanting to talk about basketball sometimes, especially with the um, the NBA championship that just happened. And especially since it was a, a Wisconsin team and only 45 minutes from where I live and uh, at the same city where the Brewers play. So I find myself sometimes falling into that trap as well. Um, however, my, most of my listeners, they listen for baseball. And so I don't get a chance to talk. So I'm glad I can come on here and perhaps we'll jump into some of that as well, uh, whatever you have planned. Uh, but yeah, I have a podcast. It started around January. And yeah, I cover the Milwaukee Brewers. I do, like I said, I have a newsletter as well. And I uh, contribute. I just started that for the Marlin Maniac. So I'm going to be writing about the the Miami Marlins, who are a very fun team to watch. They, uh, they're they not going to be in the playoffs this year. They were last year surprised a lot of people. Um, but health reasons and some, you know, underperformance and just kind of the whole way the baseball season went this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. But they're a good team with uh, a lot of young talent and a very bright future. So talking about them is always fun. The Brewers, they are right in the middle of the playoff race. They are, I think, six or seven games leading their division. So they're doing really well. They have probably one of the best starting rotations and one of the best closers. So they're really, really set up well to make the postseason and to make a make a deep run in the postseason as well. So that's all, always exciting to talk about a team that's winning uh, for sure. Uh, I, um, I, I can't imagine having to talk every day about a team that's not in the playoff hunt because I feel like at some point it would get kind of frustrating. And I give people who cover those teams so much credit because I think their job is a little bit more harder because they got to come up with more topics, you know, because not everybody wants to tune in when your team's losing. So you can, it's that that dynamic. So it's, it's real fun. I'm love talking sports. I'm happy to be on here and thanks for having me on. Oh, likewise, because because when you're talking about the Brewers, because I'm a Cubs fan, okay, and 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 I was listening, and I'm like, I'm not gonna say it broke my heart a little, but mm. <laughs> because I I I remember, oh great, we had that great streak, and then I remembered, well, you know what happened, and 
you know, it's kind of like saying Macbeth on the stage. We're not, we're not gonna, uh, you know. I, I felt like I say the whole NL Central is is a is a division where, where like I said, I, I I look I look at the Brewers and I give them all the respect in the world because because when you look like you said when you, when you look at up and down their roster, it's 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 very hard to kind of find some flaws, and you know, and it's hard for me to say that being a Cubs fan, but I I I always admit, hey what I see is what I see. And, and like I said, you know, given the way they're set up, you know, they could be, you know, it, it could be a deep, you know, Craig council team that, 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 that's a, that a nice little deep playoff run there, you know, yeah. g- g- given their, given their positioning. And, and so I get, I guess my question to you, I guess the first will kick off is how mm-hmm. do you like the Brewers odds, you know, you know, assuming nothing, you know, cataclysmic happens that they do right. make the postseason how do you like their odds going toward the postseason oh for sure um great question so and as a cubs fan yourself um you have seen the pinnacle and you've seen that world series ring and that's what we're trying to get to as brewer fans uh we just saw the bucks win and uh i feel like this city is really having a moment right now where we can maybe kind of build off that momentum as a team as a fan um as a city and try to maybe get a ring for the Brewer side as well. And I think the Brewers will make the playoffs. They're obviously very um, far in ahead of the Cincinnati Reds. They're definitely ahead of the Cubs, who are now sellers. They have sold off a couple of people uh, pieces now. And uh, the Brewers seem kind of have a stronghold on that division. And at this point, to get to the playoffs, I've, I'm pretty confident that they're going to get there. And that's something like you said, cat, uh, I can't even say that word now, <laughs> but yeah, unless something catastrophic happens and they don't somehow make the playoffs, which I don't, I don't foresee happening, but once they get in there, they're set up for a deep run. They have one of the three best pitchers in the national league and up and in all the baseball, they have the best closer. The only issue right now that they have is their offense. They're not very good. Sometimes when it comes to offense, uh, they are very much prone to slumps, and we've seen that a lot. Um, they've had uh, opportunities to score when men are running a scoring position. They sometimes can't really get that big hit. Um, but that aside, um, in the playoffs, I feel like they have a good chance. If you look at the National League as a whole, uh, in the National League West, we have the Giants, the Padres, and the Dodgers, who are all fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, and the two wild cards in the national league are going to come out of the West. So those three teams are giants in the national league. No pun intended with the giants involved in those three, but they're going to battle it out for the wild card team. And then whoever wins that wild card team has to go to the division winner. So right now it would be the Padres and the Dodgers uh, in a one game wild card. And then they would be the road team in San Francisco. So the Brewers would only see one of those three teams in the playoffs, which is really good for them. They'll probably match up against the Mets in the first round, unless the Phillies somehow or the Nationals make a push and, you know, are able to get the the NL East. But at this point, I think the Brewers match up really well against the Mets. Of course, they have the Grom. Um, but I feel like, you know, the, the Brewers can match up pitching wise. So. Yeah, once they get past them, I, they just got to face the Dodgers or the Padres or the Giants. And at this moment, they they swept the Dodgers. They swept the Padres. They've taken two or three from the Dodgers. They haven't played San Francisco, 
but they will very soon. So it's good to kind of see how they match up against them. But heading into the playoffs, they have what all teams want. They got a strong rotation. They have a strong bullpen. And now their only issue is they got to try to find out how they can score just enough runs to get that win. And, and, and that's interesting because you talked about the NL West and, 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 mm-hmm. I, and I agree with everything you said, because when I look at the Brewers path, it's interesting because, you know, given the Giants, the Padres, and the Dodgers, if they only have to face one of them, mm-hmm. I, I feel that, like you say, the Mets, and like you say, they have DeGrom at the top of the rotation. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the Brewers and I go, it, it, it lines, it, it lines up their path kind of lines up in a very interesting way. It's kind mm-hmm. of like where I say with the NBA, when we talked about the NBA earlier, is that it's about the path to get to the championship. Because if right. you have if you have to face team, if you have to face, let's just, you know, going, let's just use this year as a as a paradigm here. If you were a team in the East and you would have had to gone through Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee, it's like, if you had to go through basically the top, three teams in the it, it, your path is harder so how you get to the championship is just as much as important if no matter what path you take because if mm-hmm. you're a good team you'll get to the championship but your path can be a very very huge factor in that yeah so, for sure if you just look at the bucks they played the miami heat where they swept them and then they played the uh the nets and they barely won that game if kevin harden's foot um Sorry, Kevin Durant's foot was off that three-point line, and that was a three-point shot instead of a two-point shot. This whole uh, playoffs would have been different, but they had to face them, and then they had to go and face uh, the Hawks, who are a really good team, and then they had to face the Suns, who are also a very good team. So their whole road to the finals, like you talk about, you know, if you're a good team, there's, you can win no matter what. They were very much battle-tested. Um, there are sometimes, you know, um, if we've seen kind of like maybe LeBron James and his teams in the East and other years where they pretty much just swept through everything and then they waited for the Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, the Warriors would have to play the Rockets and then uh, the OKC when they were good. Um, so it's like you said, it's really interesting. But for the Brewers, they have an easier, I guess I wouldn't say easier, but they have a better path not having to see two of those three teams in the playoffs right and 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 to your point about the bucks you look at their path and going back to that net series we're talking if kevin durant's shoe was literally maybe a size smaller and (laughs) we could be having a whole different conversation because he likes to wear a size you know and and bet to the net's detriment it, it costs the nets you know Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win, but that kind of would change. It would be an alternate timeline. What if Kevin Durant's shoe size was the actual size, you know? So, so I think that that's, that, that was a very good, where you talked about the Bucks and their path there in the same way with the Brewers. And, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't have someone who was a Milwaukee was, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Aaron Rodgers. It's mm. like it's, it's in the contract. I have to talk about it. It's a lot okay. of paperwork. I'll, I'll show you to you later. But oh, of course. <laughs> um, you're. Uh, I guess it's a twofold question. You're you're there. You're a fan. I, I'll presume that you're. Uh, 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 uh-huh. 
you're not really. I am. Nope. I am not a Packers fan. Oh, really? I think we just delved into another question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but c- continue on. Well, we can talk about it. And then I'll, okay, I'll, yeah. I, yeah. I think we just got my 60 minutes exclusive there. So, That's right. <laughs> so now I will just go with you're there, the, the vibe and the feeling is that Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden in the offseason, how did it, you know, what was the vibe there? And the follow up question would be thoughts on him coming back to Green Bay. So it's a two-folded question. Okay. Um, the vibe here was, I feel like it, it kind of varied. It's almost like a roller coaster of emotion. Um, there was the, the high of going where they got to last season and then the disappointment. And then there was the question mark, like, is he going to retire or is he going to be traded? Um, and then it kind of, at, at some point, fans are kind of where they're, you know, over they're over this right and it, it was almost as if the the people here in wisconsin were tired of hearing it and the national narrative they kept on trying to bring up the conversation right because that's what they do it's the off season you need a talking point right for the radio for espn for fox or all these different talking uh, heads in in the national media they want to keep bringing it up um local radio here like we have no idea we every single tweet that he sent out or every instagram post that he sent out um it was so highly dissected and i think we kind of got just tired of talking about it as a state um to the point where it's some people were divided it was uh so i'm a raiders fan so i'll throw that in there real quick Um, And so we have the Derek Carr issue. Like a lot of people, we love Derek Carr. I'm a big fan of Derek Carr. I think he's been in a really poor situation, had three or four different head coaches, three or four different offensive coordinators. He's never had a top 15 defense. Um, And, you know, he's played well enough to be in several Pro Bowls. And in 14, he was an MVP, almost a finalist in the MVP race until he broke his leg. Um, or maybe that was 16. I can't remember the year, but that was the first year they made the playoffs in so many years. But back to Aaron Rodgers, it kind of got that divide here as well. Some people wanted him. Some people were just like, you know, if you're going to leave, then just leave. Right. We're tired of the cryptic messages, like just whatever you want, just do whatever you want. Right. Cause it's getting to the point where, you know, it's, if he wants to be gone, then he's just be gone, right? And then he posted that picture with Devontae Adams, the last dance. And everyone's thinking, what <laughs> what does that mean? You know, what is this? Is this his last year? Is he coming back? And then then he comes in today with his, you know, his glasses on and uh, he rolls in and everyone's, you know, taking pictures. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is back. And then it's like the whole past three, four months never even happened, right? Where it's just, oh, he's back, right? So, I mean... Did he fuel the fire to that narrative by, you know, posting different things or just kind of being very up and down about what he wanted? Of course. And maybe he likes that. Maybe he I feel like he's the kind of guy who really likes his ego. You know, he likes the attention. Right. So maybe that's what it is. Um, The word around here is that he's probably going to be gone after this year. But if you think about it, that's what the Packers wanted all along. Right. They wanted him for a couple more years. They have. They drafted uh, another quarterback that they want to kind of groom to take his spot. And that seems kind of is sort of kind of working out the way that they wanted. Although the path to get there was very complicated and at some points rather messy. 
Yeah. And you know what, what what's interesting is is that you know when the whole the whole Aaron Rodgers drama in the offseason was was that a lot of it was fueled was media fueled. Like we we right. didn't hear we didn't hear anything about Aaron Rodgers. And like people like me is like were like, oh well, he, you know, like where's he gonna go? And I said, you're not going to just trade Aaron Rodgers. Right. Because I said, because it's a multi, it's a multifaceted, you know, concept to me is that you don't trade the best quarterback. You 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 don't trade Aaron Rodgers. It's like there's there's about five guys, five, maybe mm-hmm. ten guys that you just don't trade. Aaron right. Rodgers is pretty high on that list because when when Jordan Love was drafted and people were like, oh no. And then when I did my mock draft and I remember it, and I said on my podcast, well, they're gonna draft Jordan Love. And my coach was like, and I and I explained Oh, you called it? Yeah. Wow, and, okay. And, and it's impressive. I, so, I had no idea. I, that shocked me completely. Because when I did the mock draft and I put, well, I told my co-host, I was reading a lot of things. Matt LaFleur, I was just reading things. And I felt that even then, there was a little bit of, I don't want to say the word tension, but I felt that the Packers knew, because A, I looked at how the situation was going on with Aaron Rodgers then, was like, maybe... His maybe he's worn out his welcome or his mm-hmm. personality, whatever. However, but I said, well, they've been going after Jordan Love, and when you look at the history of the Green Bay Packers, they literally did the same thing to Aaron Rodgers when they had right. Brett Favre. When they didn't need a quarterback, Brett Favre was was a was was essentially maybe two three years on his way out, and mm-hmm. they got Aaron Rodgers because he fell so far in the draft and he got great value. It's kind of the same position with Jordan Love, where that year when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, there was no real strong need. So, well, if, if Aaron Rodgers falling, we're getting a great value here because we don't have to put him on the field. We got Brett Favre. And I guess reverting back to when Jordan Love was drafted, I felt that was the same mindset that was had by Packers management now when they drafted Jordan Love was like, well, he doesn't have – we still got Aaron Rodgers. So whenever, you know, we stop paying him or whatever and however, we have a guy. It's no rush to put him on the field. And 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 another thing I thought was important, I think when people saw him, Jordan Love in camp, I kind of felt that Green Bay said they like Jordan Love, but he's not ready now. Hmm. And if we can go out and get and, – and to your point, you said, like, this may be the last year he's there. So he can still sit behind Aaron Rodgers. And learn because because the biggest issue is that let's what I say about the media, is that there was no real tension between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. It's just that his tension I felt was with management. He didn't mm-hmm. blame Jordan Love. Jordan Love didn't draft Jordan Love. Okay, somebody right. had to draft him. So I, I felt to that greater degree that was the case. Was where I felt that the media tried to create something that wasn't there. And then here, and like you say, somehow or another, we got to kind of essentially what, you know, Brian Guckenhurst and Mike Murphy wanted all along. They essentially wanted, hey, we get Aaron back and we still got Jordan Love, you know, next year. So in a way, in a roundabout way, everybody kind of got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron comes back for one more year, potentially. And, and you still have Jordan Love in your back pocket. So... So to to kind of now to kind of go back 
to you being a Raiders fan. Now, I'm I'm super curious because because the reason why I'm curious because I'm I'm in Florida and I'm a Falcons fan. Okay. And people can't like I I say, well, look, I, I it's just a thing, you know. But so I'm curious to how you know how you became a fan of the of the Raiders. Sure. Even where you are. Yeah, for sure. So I actually was born in Oakland. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, I moved to Wisconsin maybe five years ago. So I grew up a Raiders fan, an Oakland Athletics fan, and a Golden State Warriors fan. So I saw the Warriors win. I went to their first Super Bowl, our World NBA Championship Parade. I went there. Um, That was the coolest thing ever. So I saw, you know, I saw one team win a ring, but then I also saw the Raiders never win to have, have a winning season until that one year in uh, 2016 was actually the year I moved out here to Wisconsin. Um, so that was the last year they were pretty much good. And then since then, uh, the whole John Gruden thing, which when I first heard the news, I was so excited because he has been like that one coach that every team has been chasing like who can get him out of the booth, right? Mm-hmm. And the the Raiders were able to do that. They gave him a huge contract, ten years, a lot of money, and he came back to coach. And it was like, uh, this is finally the coach who's going to take Derek Carr to the next level. He's going to bring us uh, back to the world uh, Super Bowl. We're going to do big things, and then they barely, you know, are a five hundred team in his tenure as a coach. So that was kind of a failure. And then uh, the, the Oakland A's, they're, they're a team that always gets to the playoffs and fall apart once the first round happens. So um, it's, yeah, it's, so I come here, I move to Wisconsin. I, I don't cheer for the Packers. Um, I don't cheer for the Bucks. I watch them. I watch their games and I, I'll cheer for them, but they're not my team. Uh, the Brewers, I started cheering for them a lot more in-depthly because I started covering them, right? I started writing about them, podcasting about them. So I was invested a lot more in them. So they're like the one the one B to the 1A that the A's are to me. So, you know, I have one team in the National League and a team in the American League. And then um, I also write about the Marlins. And like I said, they're a team that I enjoy watching uh, they have one of my favorite players, Jazz Chisholm, on the team. I love watching him play. I think he's one of the younger, uh, more exciting talents. They have a great rotation from Sandy Alcantara to um, the the young kid who made it to the, the All-Star game for them. And I, they have so much talent. And then Jesus Aguilar, who was an ex-brewer, and now he's on the Marlins. And then the run that they went in last year, you know, beat your your Cubs in the playoffs in a year that no one expected them to even make the playoffs. But... Um, yeah, so it's my whole, it's, it's kind of interesting when I tell people that because I say I'm a Warriors fan and they automatically, uh, assume bandwagon, like, oh, you're a bandwagon fan. And I say, no, I, I was born in Oakland. I watched them when they weren't good, you know, yes. when it was the Monte Ellis years and when yeah. it, then it was run, uh, TMC. And then it was, uh, they had the, we believe team. And then the year that they, they beat the Mavericks and they lost to the Clippers a couple of years. And, and then we got Steve Kerr and, you know, everything kind of changed in a more positive direction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I know that's kind of my how I 
why I'm a Raiders fan and why I became a Raiders fan. They were just a cool team back in uh, uh, when I first started, you know, watching football. It was the year that they had just uh, missed the playoff or Super Bowl. And then the next year they went to the Super Bowl. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be a fan of a team that's, you know, we're going to be contending, contending for a long time. And then they never had a winning season again. So <laughs> I, I got tricked as a, a young 10-year-old, uh, you know, kid thinking I got a sweet team. And then I should have been like my sisters who were all Giants fans or Raider, or, sorry, Niner fans. And my mom and all her family, they're all diehard Niner fans. And I'm the only one who's a Raider fan because I thought I'd be different and cheer for a team. Um, it hasn't been as exciting, but you know, that's the Raider way. We're, you know, we're diehard no matter what, if we love our team and we just see, you know, we continue to see losing losing teams but i think this year they have a good shot to you know be at least somewhat competitive they have a better defense hopefully that's kind of been their issue you know since forever yeah and it's interesting with, with the roundabout way because mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things i think is i want to talk about the golden state warriors thing because sure, sure. I, when you were talking about the golden state warriors and it just reminded me when they were you know peak we're talking peak warrior we're talking championship we're talking all of a sudden everybody if seemed on social media oh i have a warrior friend and then i go whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. i kind of pull like you know i'm like you know you know well, let's let, let's let's pull this back a little it's because i say that because i'm like if you're really a, a warrior fan you surely you know players that aren't steph curry clay thompson Surely you do, because a fan like yourself remembers those years. Run TMC, yeah, Chris Mullen. You had Tim Hardaway. You had Mitch Richmond. You had Monte Ellis. You had Antoine James, Donald Foyle, Jason. R- like, and, and I tell people, I'm listen. I'm because uh, as a basketball fan, because I, I used to be a Magic fan. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, and then I that's that, but. But as, to me, being a basketball fan, I can name players on the Warriors, not name these guys. So why can't any of you on social media can? Like, would they put a picture of, can you name these players? Why can I name it? Oh, because that's why, because I remember when the Warriors were like that. So you have to be a person that you have to be on that on that wagon, on that train. And when you get that championship, it's bittersweet. Just don't jump on the train that's passing by. Yeah. You have to be on it. Yeah, and what I do you... Felt, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go for it. And and it's like when you're a fan of a team, you listen. I was a Cubs fan. Listen, I sat through some things. Mm-hmm. I remember that whole Bartman thing, and I went through Kerry Wood, Mark, Pro, like all of that. Being a kid, in growing into teenage years, and and when we won the champ, when we won the World Series in 2016, listen. I felt every bit of that because I remember those hundred, you know, lost seasons. Yeah. I remember all of that. I remember ironically to the Marlins. I remember that. And I, re- in fact, that was the, I believe that was the Bartman game. We played the Marlins mm-hmm. and I remember all Bartman had to do. Let Moises Alou catch the ball. That's all you got to do, man. Hey, just, just let him catch the ball. Don't you sit there. You're wearing a Walkman through the game. I don't understand that logic either. 
What, like, well, to hey, that's what, my dad was that kind of guy. My dad would come to the stadium with the headset on because he wanted to listen to the radio broadcast and watch the actual game. So there are a lot of I think that's an, maybe a thing of an older generation because I don't yeah. see a lot of that now. Yeah. But yeah, but, but I know we, exactly what you mean. Yeah, I mean, but when you're barbed, like if my yeah. dad does that or your dad, I, I don't mind. Yeah, because it's a generational thing. But when you're Steve Barbing, well, I'm pretty sure was coming around maybe his twenties. Like maybe the, what are you doing working ahead? What, 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 are, what yeah. are you doing? Like what are you doing? Where? Listen, sir, do you know what's going on? It you were the situation. Like, sir, they they, they teach you this when you're in school to be alert. Yeah, sir, you see Moises Alu, you see that glove, you got hashtag one job. What's that job? You let Alu get the ball because I, when I when Moise Alu was upset, I was upset too because I said, knowing being a Cubs fan, I said to myself watching that game, oh, we're gonna lose this game. And then someone said, oh no, you got a chance. No, 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 you don't understand. That was the game right there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, base hit. All of a sudden, I'm like, this it's gonna happen. I looked at Dusty Baker in the dugout. I'm like, yeah, he knows it do. But he has listen. He he can only do so much. So, so when I talk about fandom, I'm like it makes it bittersweet because I remember those moments. I remember that Bartman. But listen, he's forgiven, like because we won. Like it, you know, if, if Chris Bryant makes an errant throw and then that get we're having a different conversation. But you know, all is forgiven with Bartman. You know, just don't let him come back. Like listen, let him sit. Maybe not on the line. Maybe kind of a couple of you know, couple of rows back. Maybe you know. Listen, I, I'm not in charge of concession, but so th- those are my sentiments. And I and and you were saying I didn't mean to cut you off earlier. What were you saying? No, I was going to ask you. Um, I know there are a lot of people who have the sentiment that the the Warriors they they were a super team because they, you know, they were one of the they, you know how because they added Durant and everyone assumes now that they're, they're a super team. And my, my thought on that though, was um, how do you, do you think they're, they are a super team or do you think because they drafted most of their players, right? They signed Iguodala before they were even considered NBA championship um, caliber of a team. Um, They, they did get Durant, right? And I mean, do they need him? Who knows? Maybe they did need him. Maybe they didn't. Um, but then so many people got mad at them and they went from the darlings of the NBA to all of a sudden, you know, one of the more hated teams for a couple of years, because honestly, all they did was win the, the NBA championship wasn't as exciting. The regular season wasn't as exciting because, you know, it was, you knew it would be the, the Miami heat or then the Miami, then the Cavs, And then it would be against the warriors. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I know uh, you're asking me the questions, but I oh yeah, I, I, I got I, I, I got I don't, that, I, that question I, for you. I, I I never mind when the, when I get asked questions. I, I oh for sure. Oh yeah, so that, 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 that's a good question. You know, and my my whole theory and my whole concept when people say super teams, we have to understand is that when I look at the Warriors, that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they were drafted. Like mm-hmm. so, it's it's not like they went you know spent a lot of money to get them. They were there, and and I always say I justify the Kevin Durant signing by this. The year before, I believe they won. 
I believe they wrote broke the league record. You know, I think it was like seventy three and nine something of like, but they lost to Cleveland. So, the justification for me, and if I'm war, if I was like Bob Myers and I was all these guys in the, I say, you know what, we well, you got Durant, because we lost. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't matter if we didn't win a championship. And and the logic is Kevin Durant, one player away concept. That's who we signed. And that to me, and then all of a sudden they became this villain. And I say, here's why the, the Warriors became villains. Because it feels like sometimes when you go out and you're spending money, oh, you're going to make a team. I'm like, well, what do you expect to do with all that money? Like, do you not want to win? It's like, did I miss the memo? Did, did I miss it? And it's interesting when people always look back and say, well, the, the Warriors were the enemies. Like, I can... I can rationalize why people didn't maybe like the Heat because some people just don't like LeBron. I, I get, you know, for whatever reason, I can defend LeBron James uh, and a whole, you know, I, I get it. I, that I understood. I didn't necessarily fully agree with it, but I can rationalize that. But what I couldn't rationalize is that the Golden State Warriors, how did they become the enemy? Because they went out and signed a guy. It's not like they won a championship and they went out and signed him. No, they lost. Mm-hmm. So, how do you sell it to your fan base? Hey, Kevin Durant gets us to that championship. That's how you sell it. It's it's one of those things, Francisco, that, that, that always got to me was that when people talk about super teams, I say, think about this. If you want to talk about like the real, the, the real first super team, I, I go back to the Boston Celtics when they went out and traded yeah. for Kevin Garnett and they got Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. Like, the big three? Yeah, they went out and traded and got them. So, but yet, I don't hear many people call Boston. You know, you know, they were never the enemy. Maybe the people in New York they were because that's a whole the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers, <laughs> right? So that, that's a whole thing in itself. But I said that was a super team, mm-hmm. and I said that super team is going to get one championship, and that's exactly what they did because you had to factor in how old they were on the back end of their careers. And they won a championship that was not going to be sustainable because of their age. And then what you see happen? Then you saw Pierce and trade to the Nets. You saw, you know, everybody just started moving. So to, to, to fully answer your question, I think when we come, when we talk about super teams, we have to understand how the teams were made and how they were constructed. Because when I look at the Warriors, they, they built that team because mm-hmm. it, and because you know, they weren't great. So they had to build through the draft because you couldn't exactly get fringe to come to Golden State. No. So so you had to build through the draft. It, it's what I say about certain baseball. You know, mm-hmm. I say, listen, you have to build a great team. Like through your draft, through the, you know, in baseball, through your farm system, being smart with your prospects. And then when that talent becomes great, you're able to get those guys because they say, hey, they're close to a championship. I want to be a part of that. Right. So, so when I hear people talk about Golden State being a super team, I'm like, look, oh, well, they were 73 and nine, dot, 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 but they didn't win a championship. Mm. Like I say, that's how you're able to justify bringing in a Kevin Durant. Because, like yeah. I say, if you have the money, listen, you look at the Dodgers and the money they spent just on their, forget, just on their rotation. Look at, look at what they spent on, you know, they got Kershaw. Kershaw, but listen, they didn't have to, uh, he's there. 
But other listen, because they say how great this Dodgers team is, so they went out and got pieces. Because yeah. do you expect to just sit on the money? That was my issue as a Cubs man. It's like, look, a lot of those got like a Chris Bryant and Rizzo. Like those guys were, you know, they you know, necessarily may not, but more so Chris Bryant was he. But you know, these are guys that've been here. Yeah, come to the system, and it's like you know, to to a greater degree. So it, it felt like when we went out and we got, you know, we, we had pieces like we we only got Araldis Chapman. I said, listen, we needed an arm. Like we went out and traded for. It. Like, oh, but that's that's not stacking. Like, if you're trying yeah. to win, and, I, yeah. And I ahead. feel like in in basketball nowadays, it's that's you you have to have a super team to win nowadays, or at least two really good all stars, and then like a, a really good third role player. Right. That's kind of the thing now. Every team has it. Like if you don't have that, you can't really expect to get, compete. Uh, look at the the Bucks. They're a great example. They have Giannis and they have Middleton. And then Drew Holiday was really good for them. And they had their own version of a big three. Um, and then you obviously look at go from Miami Heat to then the, uh, the Cavaliers and then the Warriors. Um, that's kind of the thing in, in, in basketball nowadays. And I guess, you know, as fans, we kind of just adjust to it and players have they have the uh, they have that position now where they can demand a trade kind of similar to what Anthony Davis did, saying he wouldn't play for the Pelicans anymore. Um, And he demanded a trade. Next thing you know, he's gone. Uh, Players have so much power now and we see that kind of seeping into baseball and um football a little bit more it was it's really a big in basketball right if a player says he just want to play then you know that's it like he, he he's done like you got you can't you got to trade him um otherwise he just sits there and pouts and then it's a you know a locker room issue and all that stuff but yeah it's and the cubs question for you i mean sure. they have lost all these years and then they were able to have so many draft picks where they got a rizzo a chris bryant um, Javier Baez, who all three of these guys are still they're still young ish. Right. I mean, I get it. They're probably pushing 30. Maybe now I think um, Brian might be a little bit younger. And but why don't the Cubs just sign them? And what are they going to do? Are they going to tank and hopefully find those three players or players of the same caliber as those guys that they have on the roster? I as a fan of a different team, I'm looking at them. I'm like, so you tanked to get these guys and now you're going to tank again to hopefully get somebody who's as good as these guys. Why not just sign them and then compete, you know? So I, I find that kind of funny. Um, they're like the anti Dodgers when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- that's the perfect analogy. And, and as a fan, it, it's super upsetting because w- once again, you know, I, they have the money. It's like where people are saying, Oh, well, you know, well, we don't like look. You're 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 in. A, it's not like you're you're in a market where you can't do it, right? Because if the I'm not comparing L.A. to Chicago, but we're talking market. You can afford. Why does it have to be this? Why is it that okay? We have to trade Rizzo, Baez, or Brian. Why is it that we can sign these guys and we we can sign them, but if, if, if the rationale and the logic is, well, with Chris Bryant, you know, we got to get, you know, we can get more for him. Okay. I, 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 I get that. 
But what you're essentially saying to me as a fan is you're just essentially getting rid of a, an all-star talent. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a scrub. This is an all-star talent. Yeah, and they're all going to get fat contracts. Right. So if they don't get paid here, they're going to get paid elsewhere, especially to me, especially I look at Baez and I look at, like, yeah, for an infielder who, who can play like he can, yeah, he's going to get paid. Chris Bryant's going to get paid. All these guys are quality infielders, and they're going to get paid. So why not pay them? Because and I, I don't want to hear the excuse, oh, well, they're, they're out of the range. No. Listen, it's cold. You sit down and you talk to them. Like, they're not – all of them are not asking for a quarter of a billion-dollar contracts. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Like, Chris Bryant, his, I think his agent is Scott Boris, so that's a whole different – that's a whole different negotiation thing. That's you might have to give up, you know, you might give up some naming rights. But if, if your agent is Scott Bohr, but if if you don't, why is it that you can't sign them when you can? Because my whole logic is is that when you're essentially like you say, we tank to get these guys. So now we're tanking and we're we're trying to find guys like them. Look, guys like Rizzo Bryant. And buyers aren't just sitting, they're not just out there to be plucked. Why not sign and commit to them? Because when you look at your roster, you need to have some stability. You need to have, and if you get rid of, let's just say you just let, I don't care which two you let walk. Because if the logic is that, well, we can sign one and let two walk, I don't care which two it is, nor the one that you resign. I, I, I don't care because listen, as much as, as, as I like some pieces on this team, I like Andrew Chafin. Well, he's gone. I like Jock Peterson. Well, he's gone. So if, if you're going to go out and try to have a trade value for any of these guys, there's a trade market for all three. I, I don't have to sell people of that. But what I have to sell Cubs fans on the idea of this, stop letting Cubs management tell you and act like they don't have a choice. Because, oh, they have a choice. Just like, I'll go back to the NBA. Oh, oh, we we can sign this player. No, they have a choice. Like, because in the NBA, the rules flex toward teams, you know, you get more money with the Supermax deal. Look at Giannis. Giannis is a classic example. Oh, Giannis to here. Giannis, everybody wanted to get rid of Giannis, you know. Giannis is to the Lakers. I'm like, well, who who on the Lakers would they have to give up? Who would the, here's the question. Who on the Lakers would the Bucks want? Kuzma? Nah, I think we saw that now. Like, who's the what's the like that's not gonna because you got Anthony Davis and you gave up essentially half your roster for him. So who do you have? So I, I use that same analogy for, for the Cubs. What can you for Chris Bryant? You're gonna get back what? Nothing is going to be of equal value because i i look at players as i look at driving cars off the lot the minute you take your keys and put in that ignition and you drive your car off a lot it's it's devalued even if it's by a couple of miles it still has mileage on it so whatever you try to trade back for it will not will not be the same price you paid for if if you pray if you paid 25.5 that car don't expect 25.5 back when you try to sell it. You may get 25, you may get 90, but you're not going to get the full value. That's how I look at 
the Cubs situation is, is that you trade an all-star like a Chris Bryant or any all three are all-stars. You trade any of them. Show me how you can convince me as a fan whatever we get back is promising when you can just re-sign them because there's no excuse in the world. And, and I get tired of the logic of saying, this is we're going back and selling to the ways that we were before we won a championship. If we want to be seen as serious, we have to commit. We just can't bring these players in, only just let them go. We don't, you don't have to take the hammer and rebuild, resign them. Like, look, we're in a division that's just, listen, though the Brewers are great, the Reds are great. We're just in a very competitive division. It's not like, and I don't mean to pick on the Diamondbacks. <laughs> it's not like we're, like, look. Pick on them, not, go for it. It's like, it's like we're not, like the Diamondbacks, where you're like, if, if they're sellers, you're like, okay, I get that. Like, you know, if you want to get rid of, yeah, I, okay, fine. It's, you know, I, you know, I get it. But when you're the Cubs and you look at the division, you're like, you know, Cub is essentially it's ourselves, the Brewers, and the Reds. Like, no disrespect to Cardinals fans or Pirates fans. Well, you, you should have known. But you know, especially Pirate fans, listen, you kind of mm. should have read the tea leaves. But yeah. but the, their season was over before. Yeah, it's opening day, and the Pirates lose seven to three. So. It's like, wait, the game just started. Hey, well, we know. But but to, to go back to and to over to back to your question and to wrap up the my answer, it's that I, I'm tired of the logic where fans accept from ownership where oh we can't afford them. No, I can understand where you're like in the NFL, I get it because there's a cap. Like yeah. I, I get it. But in the NBA, I can rationalize not signing a guy. But if it's a player, it's a free agent, and you want to sign, I get it because of cap. But if he's on your roster, same logic with baseball, you know, look at your roster. And, like, if you can't afford him, I get it. But if you can afford him and you let him walk, that's different. And I feel with the Cubs, I feel that the asking, the biggest asking price is going to probably come from Bryant, simply because of who his agent is. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, he may be the guy to ask for 200 million, he may be the guy to ask for like a, a Bryce Harper-esque type contract. Now, could you talk him down from that? Listen, I'm, I, you could, but, but my point is that fans of any sport should not accept the status quo when you see the tea leaves and like, you know, they're having a fire sale when there's no fire. It's like we listen, this team was on a high and then we hit a low. So somewhere along the way, we we, we were buyers. Now all of a sudden we're, we're we're selling the farm, which okay, fine, but let's not talk about getting rid of Brian, you know, Baez or 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 Rizzo. Like, like we're we're not terrible. It's just that if we can resign them. And then we can kind of explore free agency. It's like, listen, the, the their playoff chances, it's not looking great. I'll be the first guy to admit that. But under, but to me, taking the hammer and trying to essentially tell, you know, you're trying to tell people, oh, we can't sign all three. It's just ridiculous because it's not like in other sports where you have a legitimate cap. Like there's no real cap in baseball. Because if that, if that's the case, the, that Dodgers roster, listen, 
that that Dodger, listen, the contract of Mookie Betts is probably the entire cap for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I, I don't want to hear about oh, oh cap space. It doesn't exist because it, it does. I, the year, in fact, I remember when the Marlins played the Yankees in the World Series and they had a great stat where I believe the Yankees rotation that year was the entire salary with the whole payroll of that Marlins team. So, and guess who won? Well, the Marlins won. But but it goes back to my point. Don't use money as an excuse on why you can't do it when the money's there. So that, that's my end around answer is where, as, as a Cubs fan, as a fan, don't buy into the fact that they can't sign neither three of those guys. They can't. It's a matter of do they want to. Because don't because if you let them walk, you let any one of them walk. If you want to trade them, fine, okay. But by just letting them walk, you're, you're gonna get like, oh, well, I don't want to hear about the prospect when we had a guy like Javi Baez. I don't want to hear when we had a guy like Rizzo. We could have, you know, if you just refuse not to talk to these guys and negotiate, you can do it. Like I say, Chris Bryant may be a little tricky because of his agent, but it can get done. So mm-hmm. I'll just be interested to see what they do going forward because I, I, I don't want to hear the excuse that they can't sign any of them. I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not buying it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and uh, I find it interesting you mentioned about prospects and we're, we're about wrapping up the whole trade deadline. It's in uh, three... Um, I don't know when this podcast drops, but uh, today is Tuesday, so Friday is the last day. And all throughout this week, you're going to see all these rumors and all that. And uh, I know a lot of fans are sometimes hesitant to make trades because they don't want to give up prospects mm-hmm. to get a you know a legit player. Because if you're going to get talent, you're going to have to give talent. I am of the belief that I I would trade pretty much almost anybody on it in the minor leagues because. Uh, if you're a team like the Brewers where they have the rotation, they have the bullpen, all they need is one more impact bat and maybe another reliever, but they don't want to give up a prospect who may be good, who may not be good. And we don't know because in baseball, we won't see him for several years. And then, you know, it's a longer process than like football, where if you trade the number one pick or a high draft pick, next thing you know, you're missing out on a Patrick Mahomes or you're missing out on a, a player who can impact a team like that. And baseball is different in that scenario, in that situation, in that instance. But uh, yeah, I, I uh, hopefully we see some big moves. I'm hoping that we can see some blockbuster trades. I love that. Uh, this is my favorite time in baseball. Uh, I know that uh, the Pirates they were involved in a trade and eventually got pulled back because one of the pieces that they were going to get back in that trade uh, had some medical issues. So maybe that trade isn't going to go through. Uh, you mentioned the Cubs traded uh, Chavin. Yeah, Andrew Chafin, yeah. Chafin, yep, to the uh to the athletic. So he is uh now pitching for in Oakland, which is good because they they need bullpen help. They've blown so many leads in, over there in Oakland. Um so yeah, trade deadline is full effect, and uh this is it's exciting. I love it. Yeah, and and and, and what I like about it, it's like to your point, is I'm curious to see what teams feel that they are buyers. Because the sellers are more obvious than the buyers, right. I believe. Because you, you want to know what a seller is. You know, if you're going to if you're going to a dictionary, take a look at the A's. I mean, at the uh, at the Diamondbacks. T- take a look at that. I mean, and it's no disrespect. 
to, to the people, the great people of Arizona. But to me, the buyers are interesting because at this point, how do you see your team? Because at the if you're at the top of your division right now, you see yourself as a buyer. But if you're kind of in that middling road where you're kind of a wild card team and you feel that you can contend, it's, it's a very, very finite line. Because to me, the biggest curiosity is to see one, I, I think, what will the Yankees do? Because they, they made a move and they traded for a guy whose ERA is near five. And I think it was Clay Holmes, I think it was who they traded for. And if you're a Yankees fan, you're like, that's it? And Brian Cashman's like, yeah, that, that's it. It's like, like, what did you expect? You think we were going to move Aaron Judge or, or who do you think we were going to move? And right. And, and it's interesting because when you look at going back to the to the look at the AL East, if someone told you that the Boston Red Sox would be as good as they are, because going the season, I'm like, I I don't know, you know, yeah, I, I right. and then and even even the Blue Jays, like when, when you look at like how good how good and young the Blue Jays are, I, I talked about it on a previous podcast episode, like how much I love Vlad Guerrero Jr. When I look at that guy. I just go, listen, I think of his father. And I think his his dad reminds me of a guy where the strike zone really didn't exist because there was nowhere in the strike zone <laughs> that was safe. I mean, I'd see him hit hit one near his head. I'd hit and he'll go 400 plus feet. I see him hit one at his ankles and it, and it hit the fountain <laughs> in Anaheim. So... I see a lot of potential there. Also, like Bo Bichette, like mm-hmm. you. I tell people, like, look up for the Blue Jays, because once again, you're getting an example of a team who built with it. It's like in baseball, it, it seems to be a sport of the of the three, where you don't, you know, some team like you, you know, they, they. I don't think they necessarily try to build, but when you're a team like Toronto, once again, trying to get people to come to Toronto, not knocking Canada. That's not mm-hmm. the I right. don't want no. I don't want no tweets from Ontario. You know, saying, <laughs> "Oh, that guy talked about Canada real bad." It's that you build. You're building a great. You're, you're building something great there, and and you're building within. You're building the system. You know, you're your prospects. You're trusting this process. I. You hear that phrase thrown a lot around. In, you know, trans. You know, Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. It's like trust the process. It's like a. Hey, uh, you're, you're, you're a fan like my guy. <laughs> what else do you want me to trust? Another first round exit? Is that what you want me to trust? That's the case. I'd have trusted you years ago. But this, it's like you hear it get thrown around. And I think the most appropriate sport for it is baseball. Because baseball, A, A is the longest season. And B, there's 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 a it's more talent. You, you, you're able to get more youth out there. So when when you hear Blue Jays management, like I say, trust the process, it's more believable because you got a guy in Vlad Guerrero, like <laughs> Junior, who's, you know, leading the league at home runs. Yeah, I, I trust the process. Like, you don't have to convince me. And, and, and I go, people think about this. You don't have to pay him big money just yet. That's it. Oh, yeah. They're all cheap still, which is uh, very helpful for that team. Like you said, Bobachet, Vladdy. Um, they have a lot of young talent. They've signed Marcus Simeon to a one-year deal. 
Um, Oakland didn't want to pay him. And next thing you know, he's one of the better second basemen. He switched positions from shortstop to second base. He's one of the better second basemen. He's, he's the all-star uh, second baseman. So, yeah, uh, the Blue Jays are a team that I really enjoy watching. And I, you know, they're no longer the baby Jays. Now they're a couple years older. They've made the playoffs. They've had a taste. This year, I don't think it's their year. I think they, they don't have any pitching. Um, I think this offseason upcoming, they're going to really make that their priority is just to get some really uh, dominant arms to match their potent offense because they have one of the better offenses in all of baseball. Uh, Vlad, he's uh, he's an MVP candidate and he would win it if there wasn't, you know, somebody in LA doing ungodly things, right. pitching and and hitting. Yeah. And he's completely like taking all the attention. Of course, Vlad still gets some, but there's no way if, Sho- if Shohei keeps on doing what he's doing, there's no way Vlad's going to win the, you know, the MVP. It's it has to go to Shohei because he's, you know, like I said, he's pitching, he's hitting he was in the home run derby he was an all-star pitcher what he's doing is just you know something we've never seen before so but yeah yeah and you know to, to kind of to go back to your point about otani in, in in any other year vlad would be the al mvp in any other year in any other year but i think like you say when you look at shohei otani who unlike you know i don't want to do a hot take but unlike people named stephen a smith <laughs> may say is that he is the face of baseball like, you know, and, and what I've always said about talent is that talent makes you the face. Your talent, the way Shohei Otani's talent is, this guy can hit, this guy can pitch. And and even if, he, if you look at the All-Star game, like even like he may have gone 0 for 2, but he, you know, he, he had a clean inning and he had a great showing at the, at the home run derby. To me, Shohei Otani is the face of baseball. And I think when we talk about faces, I think when you look at baseball, it's, it's to me, it's the most, maybe, base, you know, maybe the NBA is right there too, of how much international talent is in there. And the faces of the leagues, of these leagues are going to be different over the next five to 10 years. And, and I think it's important to understand is, is that Shohei Otani, his talent, made him a superstar he's 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 a face it's like no matter where you come from or where you are your talent makes you the face and and i think what's happening is that in baseball and listen going back to vlad guerrero and shoyatani in any other year Vlad if, if vlad yeah. guerrero was in the nl like okay he, he would probably but now you look at otani and it's like how do you not give it to him like it, it would it would feel like I think it's going to be one of those years where if you're Vlad Guerrero, he could end up hitting 50 home runs and Otani may get, and he still might not win MVP. And and I tell people like, well, what's your point? It's like in baseball, it it doesn't necessarily matter your record because I, I, because of a, the length of the games. So no matter if the angels themselves are doing great, if Shoy Otani is, is out there, and as long as he's still able to, to sit there and throw on that mound and sit there and hit bombs that haven't landed yet, he's the MVP. And like I say, with Vlad Guerrero, you know, listen, any other year, we'd be talking about Vlad. But to me, they're one, too. And it'd be hard for me to say, you know, hey, any other year, oh, it'd be Vlad. But when you have Shoya Otani, 
how can you vote against it? It's like, uh, how do you do it? Because I know I can't. And 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 I and going back to my overriding point is, is that going back to Vlad Guerrero, is that and like I said, I just can't talk enough about the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm like. They get, they're going to get better sooner rather than later. You're seeing a changing of the guard in mm-hmm. AL East. And I feel, and if you're a Yankees fan, like my co-host is, it, it, it's, it's potentially panic time in the Bronx because you're looking at guys like, you know, no one's saying, you know, Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge or Scroll. You know, nobody's saying that. But even like Garrett Cole is not Garrett Cole. And you paid a lot of money. And, and somehow I think they gave money to J.A. Happ, and I'm still trying to, like, didn't that guy have an ear? Oh, like, never mind, never mind. I'm, I'm not cutting checks. So <laughs> I'm not cutting checks. So that was the case. I'm like, yeah, we need to talk about that. You know, like, we're giving him how much? Yeah, some of the contracts that they put out have been kind of eye-scratching. And, like, in the beginning of the season, their rotation had a lot of question marks, you know, who's going to be able to um, – sustain their offense and their offense hasn't been that potent as we're we're not really seeing the Bronx the you know the Bronx bombers anymore. Um they hit into a lot of double plays. Their pitching has been subpar their bullpen, you know, it's up and down. And they have had a lot of injuries on their team. Um but getting back to uh the playoffs um if you real quick wanna um I, I don't know if you wanted to do some predictions but uh <laughs> Oh, I love being put on the spot. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you, you know, I, I will say this. To me, what makes this harder for me is that I can name – there's probably three, four teams in each league where I can make a case. Yeah. In years past, it was, the decision was slightly easier, not super easier. But to me, if, if, I, if you ask me today, and I'm pretty sure when I talk about my podcast, it may change, but I, I, I'll stand with this. Going out of the American League, to me, because here's the thing, I, I, the Yankees, are, it's, it's not going to happen. I just can't mm-hmm. wrap myself around that. It's just no way you can sell me on that. And you look out in the AL West, which is interesting to me, because you got the Seattle Mariners there. Yeah, they're creeping. And and to me, when I look at them, even the A's, because to your point, like when you talk about the A's, like no one talks about them. Because to me, it's that whole East Coast, West Coast, well, what, whatever. Oh, I don't want to still play to watch it. I'm like, yeah. You, can, you know, you can record the games, right? It's a great invention. But, you know, but if you ask me today, I will believe coming out of the AL, I'm going to shock. I, 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 you know what? I'm going to stick with Seattle. Interesting. I, I, I look at Seattle and I go, nobody really talks about them. Like Mike Hanager. No one knows, like their manager, Scott Service. I know Scott Service because he used to be a cub. And I'm like, I'm like, that guy's like, how old? Hey, how old is he? And how old is me? Those, those are the two words that pop in my head. Like, how old is he? And how old is me? If I can remember Scott Service. And this guy probably played in the, in the game of 20. Like, how old am I? So I got to check my birth certificate on that. And, you know, and, and I like their pitching. Because to me, pitching is pitching still matters. In a, in, in a, in a you know, where home runs are great, offense is great. But, you know, I, I just, I, I covered, 
the softball, USA softball. And, it, and one thing that I always like was pitching. It's like you can have a great offense, but pitching will still matter. Mm-hmm. And to me, if Seattle's pitching, hold, and I'll be curious to see if they make any moves, but pitching. Well, they wise, have. Yeah. They just traded their one of the relievers. So, yeah. So that, so. I'm, Which I, is, I, it just <laughs> happened not too long ago. I don't yeah, know if you saw that uh, or not. But I'm glad that I'm glad I got the memo on that from the. Somebody's somebody's getting fired on the staff for that. For not, <laughs> we'll we'll have a we'll have we'll have a staff meeting eight a.m. to figure that out. But sir, we don't have yeah we're having a staff meeting. But but I I I still look at the and I think you know if I think either the Mariners or see the question is how much do I believe in Boston? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good question. Like how like am I? Because to me, the AL is, is super interesting because we're, we we always said, like, even people, oh, it's going to be the Yankees, and this year it ain't going to be the Yankees. I hate to break it to people, but I like the Mariners. And, you know, and, you know to be the guy that kind of, like, do I like anybody? Like, you know, listen, maybe the White Sox could be interesting. And this is coming from a Cubs fan. Like, so listen, all these disclaimers, my, my biggest thing is, like I say, when you look at GL, you look at their pitching, and then you look at how complete they've been. Like, like early on, I wasn't. I'm not the biggest Tony Larusa fan. And it's not because he manages, the, he managed the Cardinals. It's that his style, I and we've seen earlier in the season clashes with the youth on this team. Yeah, like with guys like Tim Anderson, and it clashes. There, there's a there's a a clash there. I think, and then they had like a picture of Tony Ruth with his hat backwards, and I'm like, "That's not com- no stop it." Like, how old is Tony Larusa? Like, listen, if you're not cool, that's okay. Because you know why, Larusa? You're a world champion. You 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 want you won ring. You don't need to wear the hat backwards thing to make. Hey, do the young people like me? Stop it, stop it. Like, what are you trying to prove to people? Like, stop it. Like, if you're a great manager, you're a great manager. I just believe that there was an early disconnect. You know, if, if I so I think either Seattle or the White Sox. Now the NL is is where it, it kind of feels like dealer's choice. Mm-hmm. It really feels like you can, like you mentioned how good the NL West is. We're talking the Padres, we're talking the Giants, we're talking the Dodgers. We're talking about the Brewers, even the Reds potentially. And you know. I don't know how big of a factor the NL East is out. You know, it'll be interesting to see like the Braves, like without Acuna, you know, long-term, I, I believe that that really, really put a, you know, I think a lot of it is going to go on Freddie Freeman going, you know, as you know, offensively, but I still feel the NL is, is it's, a, it's a wild card, like literally it's a wild card to me. So if you ask me now, the two teams that I think potentially could go out of the NL it's that I'm going to take a team from the NL West because I can't ignore I can't ignore that. Like the, mm-hmm. I I'd be a fool if I didn't try to pick right. somebody out of there. And and I would go on the side of Lisa Malassi. To be different, to be different, I will go with. Oh, I said I got to commit to it, so I will say the Padres. I will go with the Padres. Like I say, to me, 
I'm not. That's not me saying the Dodgers are terrible or, or, or the Giants are terrible. But it's something about the Padres. I felt that they actually committed to winning, which is a great concept. Like they went out. Listen, they got mm-hmm. Fernando. Like it's like it's a, it's amazing when you go out and they made all these trades, and they went out and like like oh we can win yeah yeah you can win It'd be great like it's the whole point I made about the Cubs like what's stopping you from being great like you may have to like the whole prospect unless it's the number one you know unless it's a top fifteen prospect no if you can bunch of, put a bunch of those guys together and throw in somebody you can build a great team. I think what the Padres have done there, so I'll, that'll be one. The second one, you know what? I I will go with the Brewers because I their path. Because to me, with them, it's about path. Because because what what happens is is that some teams, like I said, as great as certain teams are, your path. Just like we just we mentioned it earlier on in the episode, we talked about how the Bucks got there. We talk about how the Bucks got to the championship. They had to go through the Heat, mm-hmm. who, were, who were Eastern Conference, you know, who who were in the who were in the finals, fairly recently. So they they weren't scrubs, right? And then you go if you know the what if you know Kevin Durant shoe size situation, they get past that in Brooklyn, then they face the Hawks team who who I like because I'm a big Trey Young guy. They got past and then they play a Suns team which was great. They pushed them. And that's and especially games four and five could have really went either way, but the Bucks, you know, they pulled it out. So when I look at the path of the Brewers, I go, their pathway. If if you're te- if you tell me that they only have to face either one of the three teams out of the NL West, and they play the Mets, listen, I don't want to, I don't want people to turn on my voice to say like I think the Mets are terrible, but I think the Brewers can beat the Mets. Like, you know, I, you know, I, so when I look at the pathway for the Brewers, it's not out of the realm of possibility because when you look at the landscape, the, the, when you look at teams who are, you know, the standard, they're not there. Like, especially in the AL, like the Yankees, I, I got to tell delusional Yankee fans, like, look, your, your problem like you can you can fire Aaron Boone all you want. It ain't gonna change the fact you gave all that money. It's not listen, all Aaron Boone managed the year, he won a hundred games, it's great. And all of a sudden now that's New York media for you. Like uh so so it, it, when you look at the Yankees, they're not quite being there. The Cubs, when you look at major market teams, maybe not you gotta look elsewhere. And I'm not saying San Diego's small market, it's one of the biggest cities in California. I'm not counting them, you know, as a as a low market team, but you got to look out and go like with the Dodgers. To me, when you have Bauer, you have Kershaw, you have Bueller. When you look at the rotation, it's it's not bad. But my question mark, I guess, would be with the Dodgers, is which Dodgers team's going to show up? Like to me going down the stretch because to me great teams stumble and they, and they stumble upon themselves I'll, I'll put it that way meaning that you're supposed to be up on the competition and sometimes like the dodgers sometimes they can it, it gets too close like if you're a fan you're like why in the world are the diamondbacks hanging around in this game like 
like it, it, how are they hanging around when you look at who they play like you un- and then when you're playing in, in your right when you're playing the Dodgers when you're the Dodgers you're playing the Giants or the Padres you got to be great and, and, and a case could be made that I don't want to say that the Dodgers are the third best team that I don't want people from LA or Canada to come after me but I think it's interesting to say that when I look at the landscape so I'll commit to Seattle possible and the White Sox potentially either one coming out of the AL and at the NL like I say I'll, I'll I'll ride the Padres I'll, I'll ride them because in fact I think prediction wise I think I said listen this Padres team is pretty good because of the moves they made I'm like because they're not t- I mean, listen it like I say it's amazing what you can do with money and and great management so I think that and then and like I said you know Shifting back to the, you know, yeah, you know, like I said, the Brewers, I, I believe because of the fact that I'm just convinced of their path. I'm not saying they're a terrible team, but I look at them and as great as they are, and listen, they don't have to, listen, I tell people this, look, it's just like in the NFL, when you look at the playoffs, when you look at, look at who, look at your path there, don't focus on how great you are, because look, when you listen, you're gonna listen. If you have to go on the road a couple of times, mm-hmm. eh, some teams are not great road teams. Like let's, yeah, yeah. You see that in football a lot. When you you look at the playoffs, the landscape, and you think, who has the home field advantage, or who has to play uh, an easier team, or maybe a team that's not as um, scary or intimidating as as some other teams. So yeah, I. I hear what you're saying about the Brewers, and I completely agree with you. I I will say out of the American League, I think as much as I hate to say this, I think the Astros are going to be in the World Series again. I just feel like they're playing really well. They they didn't need to cheat, and they still have an amazing group of right. people. They have a rotation <laughs> now. Um, so, yeah, if, you want, if I was giving my predictions, I think it's probably going to be either um, – I, I don't think it's the Padres. I think the Dodgers or the Brewers and then probably versus the Astros. I don't think any other team or the White Sox. They could compete, but I think it's going to be the Astros representing the, the American League. And I think they have a really good shot at winning the World Series. Like yeah. I said, I hate to say that, though, but yeah. I think that. You know, you know what? When I think about the A's, you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and say because I know people who are who are Astros fans and then, and they're going to be like, how did you forget? Like, listen. I'll say he is a moment because I was thinking about Tony Roos and his backwards hat. But, like, that's, you know, the part of the brain's like, it just wouldn't let. But it's interesting. Like, you know what? I might have to shift my gears. You know, when I think of the Astros, like I say, and I just want to say this. If you're still talking about the whole cheating thing, if this year does not prove to you that, wait a minute, this is a great team. Altuve, correct. Like, oh, this is a great. And mind you, you know, no George Springer, no problem. Like, mm-hmm. it, like to, to me, I, I'm coming around because you know what? Because of Dusty Baker. I believe Dusty Baker is the right manager for this team. Because now I, I don't know, like, I don't know next year because his age, you know, I, I don't know what the uh, – long term you know the next you know for next season but what i like about dusty could listen i saw what he did here what he, what he did in chicago i saw the work that he did for the giants 
He got the Giants to a World Series. You know, he got the Cubs to the closest they got before 2016. So I believe in Dusty Baker. And I think in an era where sometimes managers get lost and, you know, in, 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 in confusion, and sometimes you don't know who, who, their, who their names are unless, you, unless you're a fan of the team. Dusty Baker is a guy who fits the team because he doesn't – he's kind of like the anti-Tony LaRusso in that D- Dusty is just Dusty. Yeah, and, and he's it, a good manager. Yeah, and the players are willing to play for him. And at the end of the day, we uh, we can, you and I can probably sit back and name examples of where teams were great, but the manager was mm, – and, and sometimes the players are like, mm, we have to play for this guy. I mean, I know we're getting paid a lot of money. But but to me, in the case of Dusty, so you know, I I, I will I will retract. You know, I'll on the NL, I'll 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 eat that. But for the AL, I I will say that the the Astros because because I, I I had to really sit there and think about like Dusty Baker, everywhere he's gone, has has been he hasn't been terrible. Like you you could argue maybe in Cincinnati maybe, but other than that. He still wasn't terrible there either. It's just at that time, Cincinnati just wasn't great. But when you look at what he's done in Chicago, he did in San Francisco, and what he's doing in Houston, it, it's hard to overlook. And you look at, like I say, Jose Altuve, Carlos, and then like McCullers, like there's pieces there. It's essentially the same, kind of somewhat of the same team, more or less. Yeah, I know with movements and things of that nature. And then, you, and then with Dusty Baker, to me, would be the X Factor. Simply because the players want to play for him, and and I don't care. Like I said, in an era where you forget about managers, I don't care what sport it is either. We've seen, you know, players quit because of the coach and the manager, and it and it's like, it's like, well, why do you do that? Because if they don't, if if the players cannot buy into someone who's at the top, how can you expect them to play for you? That's with any sort of your company. If you don't believe in your boss, like. Hey, we're going to turn this thing around. You're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're not believing this. We're all walking out of here. But if they can convince you and make you run through a wall, it works. And when you look at right. and, and throw in the fact that Dusty Baker can do that and has experience in doing that, he can get this team to a World Series. And I think coming, like I say, coming out of the NL, if it's the Brewers or if it's the Padres or whoever, I think – when you look at from a matchup situation, like let's just say the Dodgers, I, I still feel and look at the Astros and go, is, is, I I'm you know I, I feel more and more convinced that I don't see anybody matching up with them now that I sit back and really get the lineup through my head in their bullpen, and and I say at the end of the day, so I I'll, I'll retract, I'll keep in what I said earlier. But I will. So people are like, oh, he changed his mind. Yes, people can. I do don't that. know. <laughs> uh, and people are like, oh, well, where, where do you go? Listen, I'll keep in what I said about this guy ignored the actual. But wait a minute, he said ten minutes later. Yeah, I did. I can do that. It's it's not like I. It's not like how about this way? It's not like I said the. Oh, the Diamondbacks are going there. I didn't say that. Like that that part, you know, they may play like the NIT version of whatever that is, <laughs> like whatever that is, like. People are like you. Why are you ripping Arizona? Listen, uh, look. Have you seen them play? Like, let's be real. Like, does Terry Lavello really want to be there? Like, let, let's be let's be real. 
like I'll I'll say this before I turn back over to you to wrap it up. Here, here's the thing. When you're bad, and listen, like you said on the top of the show, kudos to the people who have to write about these teams. Because yeah. you gotta find something. Positive. You gotta, you gotta find that diamond in the rough. And there's a lot of rough, there's a lot of coal in the there's a lot of coal in there to get to a diamond. And when I look at Arizona and I go I look at Baltimore and I'm looking around like, well, Baltimore's an all-star. Hey, great for them. But but when I look at Arizona and I'm like, what do you write about? What, what do you write about? Oh, well, they, they changed out the water in the pool. Like, well, what do you write about? Because on the field, I'm not saying everybody on there is terrible, but you know, as the old adage goes, you are what your record says you are. So I think they had one of the longest streaks in the league, losing streaks. Like, look, my, my whole point is that in baseball, and I think it, it's more applicable to baseball than other sports. When you lose, it's worse because of it's long. It's 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 just longer. Like in the NFL, like now there's 17 games. Like, listen, I'm not going to say a team who I think is going to be terrible. Uh, I'll let you, the people, decide that. So, in I'll just put it like this: insert team. If they're having a terrible stretch, it's it's eight, and now it's 18 weeks. So, if you think about the 18 weeks, that's what four months. So it's not, but when you look at baseball, it's 162 games. Like, do the math. That's half the year. Like, listen, imagine trying to go to the stadium every day. And you're a Diamondbacks fan. You got that ticket. I'm assuming if you pay any more than 10 bucks for it, you probably got ripped off. But, you, I, oh, there's scalpels there? Yeah, yeah. So, to me, when you lose, you lose. But when I think of franchises who turn for the Diamondbacks, they can turn it around. It's just that, my goodness, like if you look at the Blue Jays where they were a couple of years ago, like you thought like this team was never going to figure it out. But when you invest and it's about going back, trusting the process, like I said, in baseball, trusting the process works in the NBA because go ask Sixers fans how that whole trust the process thing works. It doesn't work. And don't dare tell an NFL fan to trust the process because, like, look, like, because I'm pretty sure Jaguar fans don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure before Aaron Rodgers came back, Packers, you know, people saying, oh, trust the process with Jordan Love. So you know what happened? Aaron Rodgers showed up. So like, oh, thank God. Even if it's for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know you can win with them as opposed without them. But but to go back to, to, go back to my point, which was which which was about baseball and the concept of losing. I don't know how we got here, but we're here. <laughs> it but, happens sometimes. Yeah, I, I think I believe in baseball. There's there's a chance for your team to turn it around. Like if if someone if you told someone that the Royals won a World Series, they wouldn't believe you because of the way they're playing. They wouldn't believe you. Like that team, yeah. And, and it goes to show you, like, there's ebbs and flows, but it goes to show you that you build it. Listen, the, the Royals kind of did the same thing. You have to build within. I think if, if if you're if you're a baseball team, I don't care what other thirty teams you are, you you're not going to have nine guys, nine free agents out there starting. That's just not possible in the con- unless you're really putting in the tank show. 
you really invest in your, your prospects. You got to believe in them. It's like in the NFL, rookies, you, you have players on there who are veterans, and you can kind of tell, like, okay, the team's building and getting better. But but when you're talking about baseball, you you have to build with it. In the NFL, you can go out and sign free agents, bring in some veteran players to kind of – you can do the same thing in baseball. But I feel in Major League Baseball, you really got to trust the process deep, deep, deep because you have to bring in guys. Like maybe a maybe a veteran guy or two, but you got to trust your system. And I say you look at the Blue Jays at work, even for the Royals at work. There are more examples. But when you're major market teams like a like an L.A., Chicago, New York, it's about win now. It's all. And I think for Yankee fans and whoever Yankee fans are listening, when someone tells you to trust the process, you're not going to believe it because the expectations are here. So you can't be a team like the Brewers who kind of built within or like you look at the Mariners in a way. You don't have time for that. You got to win now. And I feel in baseball that hurts because you got to invest all of this money to and listen. I use the J.A. Happ as as an example, but I can go back and name other Yankee signs that were, were, but I don't want to take this show into a to a C-SPAN situation. So, but the point is, is that it's important. You look at the Milwaukee Bucks, and I, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I remember when people were like, oh, Giannis to the Lakers? Giannis to the Knicks? I'm like, wait, what? Why? We're, we're treating Milwaukee like scrubs. Like, we're treating them like they're not a basketball. Like, listen, this same team had guys like Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson. Like, the, these, this, this franchise is not terrible. Like, maybe the play, but when they got Giannis, it changed the game. And what did they do? They had to bring in, when you look at Holiday and Middleton, they went out and signed them. They went out and got pieces around them. In the NBA, you can have a guy. You can have one guy. Like, you draft a guy in Giannis. And you can kind of build around, maybe through the maybe NBA drive, but maybe free agency build pieces to get a championship because they see how great Giannis is. People are going to want to come and play, and that's exactly what happened. Guys like Portis, you know, PJ Tucker, like these guys show up. Like they're they're not big names. It's just like with the Heat, like they had guys like Shane Battier and Ray Allen and Mike Miller. Like, well, who are these guys? No, those are guys that are going to win championships. They're not going to be on. They're not going to be, you know, leading the, t- the the team in scoring, but they play an integral part. And so, in basketball, you build around one guy, and maybe, like in the case of the Warriors, you get two. You're able to draft two great players. Like not a lot of franchises, and 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 the thing is, and they stay together. That's important. Like maybe the Trailblazers with McCollum and Lillard, but I think that's going to be broken up in the off season. But I feel at the end of the day. It's an important message for teams and for fans to understand. Your team may not be great today, but understand the places of where these champions were five years ago. Understand that it's a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Because I, like I say, when the people when they grab the Giannis, it was like you know, oh he can't do. And I'm like, think about this: 
how the narrative changed. Giannis at 26 has done something that Michael Jordan, LeBron did do at 26. Look at how come he's a two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, all NBA, and he's and he was the uh, NBA Finals MVP. Like name a resume at somebody at 26. That's the great Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't have that. Michael people say Michael Jordan won a championship later in the back end of his career. Like he he wasn't out there in his 20s out there out there winning championships. So it's important to understand when you get a guy built around him in baseball, you get a couple of guys. You get you get a Bobichet, a Vlad, a Vlad Guerrero Jr. And and I think uh, Biggio. I can't think of the first name. It escaped me for some reason. They're building something, and you have to trust the process, no matter what sport. Like for the Sixers, and I'll just say this before I turn it over to you. Here's why I never trusted the process for the for the Sixers, because to me, I knew either Simmons or Embiid was the problem. I couldn't figure out which one. It's kind of like Colombo without them finding giving giving away the 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 murder, or the I couldn't figure out which one is is, is going to hurt this team. And I said I couldn't figure out which because I said both of them I just don't see them meshing. To me, I thought it was Embiid. But then Embiid proved me wrong, and I said, Simmons, as talented, listen, Simmons is an all-star. Simmons is great. But why I couldn't trust the process is, is that you have to trade him to get something back. Because if you want people to trust the process, and you keep saying it, the pro- people want to see the process move forward, not a regression. And I feel when, when you throw out trust the process, just like with the, like with the Blue Jays, they've gotten steadily better. Teams who trust the process get better. They're not supposed to get worse or stay stagnant. So, so what I what I will say that that's my advice to certain teams is like, hey, listen. When people say trust the process, understand it and be a linear progression, and especially in baseball, it's gonna it's gonna be terrible. Like if, if you're in Baltimore or you're in Arizona, you're in it's going to be rough, absolutely. Ain't no, I'm not, I can't make a magic wand and make Cal Ripken show up for Baltimore. I can't make a magic wand and go boom, make George Brett show up again. And, and for Arizona, I just can't go boom and bring back Luis Gonzalez. I can't do it. Sorry, can't do it. It's a process. And I think, especially for baseball fans, but for basketball as well. Listen, it's all about process, no matter which sport it is. As a fan, like I talk about the Cubs, you don't have to accept it when you know you can be better. So I, I think I talked for like 16 hours there on my little rant there. So uh, I'll turn I'll turn it over. I'll turn it over to you, and I'll and I'll ask I'll ask you uh, I think I'll ask you one more question before we get out of here because it's a question that I'm very curious about. Sure. <clears throat> Is that when we talk about going about baseball? Which I'm very curious your thoughts on the new policy on the, the foreign substance policy, because 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 my whole take has always been is that I'm not listen I'm not going to be like certain people in certain sports and call out names that's that's yeah but what I will say is that if you've watched the sport long enough like you can suspect all you want but you have to have proof and. 
and my question to you is how how has the the, the foreign how is the the new implementation which i'm surprised like oh we're doing this now you, you tell me you weren't doing this all the time like i don't i don't want to get into rob man i don't want to get into any of that but what i will my question to you is do you feel that with this new policy we're going to see pitching differently given this new given the new foreign substance policy um i don't know if we'll see pitching differently but if we look at some pitchers we can definitely see throughout the league a drop in, in spin rate which was um super high in the last couple um years a lot of players a lot of teams and rob manfred knew that players were using you know sticky tack and all these things and spider tack whatever it's called and they were pretty much told like you know what we, you can do it and we're just we're not going to care right now and that's why it really upset a lot of people when he did this whole thing in the middle of the season decided now we're not going to do anything um and that really upset a lot of players some pitchers um got hurt and some people blame it on that. A lot of numbers went down. You see offense tick up a little bit, just a little bit, but still enough to where, okay, that definitely had an impact because we would see pitchers throw balls and the balls would just completely go and just either sharply move down or last second split in, split out. And it was almost unnatural. And these hitters were getting uh, really um, irritated. And I know that, pitchers have used rosin and sunscreen in the past and that that's been proven to not affect spin rate and players and you know batters have been on the record saying they don't care if pitchers use that because it does help them with their control and that's one of the bigger issues that you know we were worried about as if now no one can use any sort of substance will we see more hit batters or will we see uh pitchers throw you know, harder or change their grip. And next thing you know, they're hurting themselves, things like that. So uh, I like the, the move. I love it as a, as a fan of watching somebody actually hit the ball. I do appreciate that, but I just don't like how Manfred did it. But then again, Manfred doesn't really do anything um, the right way in general. So why would I be surprised that in the middle of this season, he decided to change rule. So um yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't know if pitchers will be looked at differently. I know some contracts like the Gary Cole contract may be looked at as uh, in a year or two. Maybe it won't be as as productive, you know, once he gets into older years as a pitcher. I'm always against giving pitchers big contracts because you never know what's going to happen. It's um, hard to guarantee 10 years of being a really, really good starter. Uh, I think Max Scherzer is the only pitcher I've seen so far in the last several years who has gotten a big contract and lived up to it. You know, you think of Barry Zito when he got a big contract from the Giants and he pretty much was a below average pitcher for so many years. He had one really good game against the Reds in the playoffs in 14 and um, helped them really get to the play postseason. I guess actually it would have been 2012. But um, yeah, so I mean, I. I am all for the change. I am not for them changing it in the middle of the season. I hate that, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, good for baseball going forward. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I'll say this before we, before we wrap it up and we talk mm -hmm. about contracts, 
I've, I've always been against it in baseball. And here's why. Because especially pitchers, I think for hitters, because when I look at the Albert Pujols deal we had with, with, the, with the Angels, and now he came off, you know, he came off from a great year from the Cardinals. But what, what I always say is this, you're asking a guy to be productive for a decade. We're not talking just like middle of the road productive. We're talking, you know, caliber type production. So, so anyway, going back to think about the contracts, it's that with Albert Pujols, to me, giving him that contract, to me, you're asking a guy not just to be, he has to, to hit, you're asking for the same production that he had before he got the contract. And, and to me, it's always difficult, but for pitching to me, it's worse because of the fact that the, your arm is not going to be the same arm that you had maybe five years into the contract as it was five years before. So I've always, I'm not going to, I'm all for players getting paid, but we have to factor in how old the, the player, it's not like in the NFL, like Patrick Mahomes got a huge deal, 10 year deal. That's great because he's going to be in his thirties when that deal is up because he got it in his twenties. So he's still going to probably get another big contract. And, you know, within the next decade, it works because of, because of the age. And I think when you give out big, when you hand out numbers to guys 26, 20, you know, over the closer side of 30, you're never going to be this. Unless you're Nolan Ryan, you're not going to be out there being productive and you're, you're getting those same numbers that you got, you know, year one or two of your contract. So, and like you say, with the Barry Zito deal, that, once again, same reason. I like Barry Zito. I really do. You know, I watched movies for the A and him and Mulder. Like I, I, but when he got to the Giants, it's like when you get the money, you're expecting them to be what they were before. It's not like in the NBA where you hand out big money, you can kind of, I don't want to say somewhat get out of it, but you can trade it, but a team has to really, really, you got to make it, you got to be convincing to other teams. It's hard to move big contracts, no matter the sport. So just like, let's just say down the road, if Garrett Cole, you know, let's just say doesn't pan out the next two, three years, that's a hard contract to move. Because if you're the Yankees and you want to be, you know, fiscally sound, that's a hard contract to move because, because other teams are knowing that, Hey, this Garrett Cole may not be the same guy. I'm not saying that'll be the projection, but like you say, Scherzer is the outlier because of the fact that you have to factor in that no one's out there expecting to you know, 21 see you know, 21 seasons, but you have to show productivity to earn the money. And what's happening is, is that, especially for pitchers, if you're 26, 27, you're going to be 37. You're still going to get paid. So it's not an issue of you not getting money. You're going to get paid. It's a matter of how productive you are. And to me, I look to me, I've always been like even with the Mike Trout contract, as much as I love Mike Trout. How does that and then you how does it help your team? 
Because listen, I'll, I'll I'll just be clear. As great as Otani is and as great as Trout is, if you're the Angels fans today, the question I have is, can you win a World Series? Given, like, hey, you got two of the best players in the game. When Mike Trout is healthy, you know, you have two of the best players in the game. Does that get you anywhere near a Forget a World Series. Does that get you even in the playoffs? Because that's also the downside of giving out big contracts. If you're like the Yankees, listen, they're not going to be terrible, but they're not going to be below 500. You know, I right, well, well, we'll see about that. You never know. But, but, but so, but so that that's my whole thoughts. When you hand out those big contracts, you have to be aware because you can really handicap your team's process. If, if you if you want to win a World Series, it's like like if you're the Dodgers, yeah, it it it, it can work. But for the Angels, I think handing Mike Trout the con, and then at some point you got to pay Otani possibly. You got to pay Otani. Like like people can understand, he's great, but he's not really getting, he's not making big money he his his salary is not matching his production in the opposite way where this guy is his numbers are boom but his pay is here so at some point they got to pay otani can you pay otani and mike trout listen it's the same question i say about the cubs and the answer is it for the cubs is different because you can't for the astros and that's gonna be the Astros, but for the for the angels that will be the interesting question going forward because they have to pay otani just like the, the Blue Jays understand, like they're not oblivious. Like the way Vlad's playing now, and they're already in their head crunching numbers. And like, well, we see how much Trout got. We see we're seeing, like that. That I almost said that's the standard. But if that's your franchise, you have to pay him. Mike, even like the Bryce Harper contract. Like I don't know. Listen, I'm not a Philly fan. I don't know how people feel about that contract. I'm very mild on the contract. But the, the market value becomes clear. And I think moving forward, when you hand out big contracts, for Vlad, when you pay him, in baseball, I feel like you can pay them a little bit earlier because you know down the road it could save you some money. That's Like I said, that's what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. They knew they had to pay him, so just pay him now because he plays the most important position probably in sports. Yeah, and you have to pay him. So in baseball, I think it's about if the age and the talent, and I think Vlad Guerrero fits that bill where I believe he can be a guy who can be that productive for that long. Because I look at how his father played, and his father was very productive. <laughs> deep in, you know, His father was very productive. And I can look at Vlad Guerrero, his, and I look at Vlad Jr. and say, listen, he can put up 35, 40 home runs the rest of his career. And people are like, oh, you'd be shocked. Well, no, you shouldn't. And, and, and I think the, the Blue Jays, I think management's understanding that, that you have to pay your big stars. And I think going down, like I said, if you're the Yankees right now, that, that Garrett Cole contract is not going to look as great as it did when you signed it. Because now all of a sudden, like, like you're seeing the – I'm not saying Garrett Cole's going to be terrible, but given what you paid him, and you look at look – how, look how you're paying play – look at Giancarlo Stanton. Are you getting your money's worth there? Are you getting your money's worth with Garrett Cole? And, and I'm pretty sure, I think, look, Aaron Judge. They, these are questions when you're paying, when you have to either pay these guys or they're being paid. Like, to me, how, you know, I, I think it's fair. It, in baseball, it's a more cautious tale because I think we've seen examples where, listen, they get the big contract and boom, 
their arm goes out. But yet you're still on the hook for the money. Like we've seen, you know, maybe in the last 15, 20 years where pitchers have gotten super contracts didn't work. And look, look at that, that A-Rod deal. Listen, I don't want to get in that deal either. Because if, if you ask certain fans, like, oh, it's a great deal. You look at me, I go, yeah, you got it. The post, yeah, listen, regular season money's great. But do you, that postseason, I, did he not forget that the contract covers all all of it? Or, like, you know, on J2 games? Yeah, it covers everything. But, you know, that's, that's just my six and a half cents on that in, in terms of contracts. <laughs> but no, I, I hear you there. I hear you there for sure. But but let, let, let's get out of here before we, we talk about baseball for the next seven hours. Um, um, where can, where can, uh, we find, where, where can we find your social media and, and, and your podcast? Yeah. So you can find my podcast anywhere you find your podcast. I'm also, uh, we also have a Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter. My personal Twitter is FD Castro 22. Uh, our podcast Twitter handle is walk is walking off with no G. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I have a Brewers newsletter. If you want to hear more about the Brewers, you can definitely sign up for that. It's free. It goes right to your email. Um, I am trying to be a little bit more consistent. A couple of things going on uh, that I haven't been able to be as consistent on there as I would like to be. But that is something I'm working on. And then if you are a Marlins fan, you can find me. I'll be contributing for uh, the Marlins Maniacs. So I'll be throwing some stuff up there soon covering uh any trades that they may make in the next uh upcoming days as well as uh you know if you like to hear uh random baseball takes follow me on twitter i, I got a lot of those so but it thanks i i appreciate you having me on um i feel like we've only talked for 30 minutes and it's been a lot longer than that <laughs> i i can talk sports non-stop for sure so i do uh I do appreciate you having me on. I'd love to come back on again if you ever, you know, if you ever need another uh, another person to come on the podcast. I'm always down to talk uh, sports. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I get that. I know that these interviews, I, I get this. I hear the same thing. It's like we can talk sports for so much, and then we delve into so many other things. It's like there's a we, bunch of rabbit trails, and you finally get back. <laughs> right. It's like you know somebody lost the compass. And then we look at and like, oh, then we finally find it, find the next thing, you know, it's been an hour. <laughs> but to us, it's like a half an hour. But it's like, wait, it's been an hour? And so we, we found the compass an hour later. But so so once again, check out his work, especially he's a great Twitter uh, follow. You like baseball. I follow him. It's it's absolutely great stuff. Appreciate and, that. And Francisco, thank you so much. Like I say, you're welcome on the show anytime. And okay. like, and like I say, if I could ever come on yours, I'm not trying to push myself on the guest list, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like, Oh yeah. But cause I, I got I, you. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. He gets, it's not like, I'm not trying to like wink, wink, you know, trying to, you know, be like, like a Hollywood actor. I'm like, yeah, give me a part in your, in your, uh, give me a part of your movie. And like, what's the script? There is no script. You just walk in the background. Fine by me. But, <laughs> but, but once again, like I say, check out his podcast. Check out his work for the Marlins, his work for the Brewers, all great stuff. Francisco, once again, thank you so much for your time. And like I said, you're, you're welcome back anytime. All righty. Well, you have a great night. You as well. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Mm-hmm.
I want to thank once again Francisco Castro for his time on this episode of the Sports and the World podcast. Check him out on social media on Twitter at FDCastro22. Also, check out his podcast, The Walking Off Podcast, where it's all things Brewers and baseball. And also check out his Brewers report, where he writes about the Milwaukee Brewers. And until next time, I'm Ladarius Brown. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast.